everybody and welcome to the EC Method. I am one of your coaches, Chloe Maidley. And I am your other coach, Emma Story Gordon. Our goal at the EC Method is to encourage, educate and empower you to get the results that you've always wanted. Listen to our weekly podcasts, go to our website, theecmethod.co.uk or simply follow us on Instagram to get more information. Hello, welcome to the, the last live of this round, the last live of the June round, which means August is going to start on Sunday. So that is very exciting. I have a few things to talk about here and then I have some very excellent questions from you guys. Obviously, if anything pops up, pop it on the live. Um, firstly, if you've not signed up yet for the next intake, time is running out like now is now is the time and I will say something that's become so I was talking to Amelia about this and we've both noticed and there is definitely a cognitive bias about this like when you start noticing something like when you start noticing red cars like you see them everywhere but we've both started noticing signs that like life is short and now I just keep seeing them everywhere and I listened to a TED talk this week on procrastination and the start of it was like probably interesting maybe to people who haven't thought about procrastination before. I have thought about it a lot before but essentially it's a different way of explaining the concept of Parkinson's law which is that usually a task will expand to the amount of time that we give it. So if we give ourselves the full day to clean our house it will take the full day. If we have one hour to do it it will take one hour. A lot of the time you'll see this, like you've probably done this with your workouts as well. You're like, oh, I've only got 40 minutes to get in and out of the gym. I'll, I'll see how much I get done. And usually because you're faffing around less, like you actually get the full workout done in the 40 minutes. Or when you were at school or at uni and you were set an assignment and it was like, you've got four weeks to do this assignment. You did 99% of the project or the assignment in the last week leading up to it. So that's Parkinson's law. Like it will take as long as you give someone for it to take. And Knowing that, I also like this saying, and I can't remember exactly where it's come from, and I should look this up because I've mentioned it a couple of times now, but it's, it's to, or the, the task is to write down your five-year plan and then do it in one. And like, even if you can't do that, like even if it isn't feasible, the point of that exercise is to realise that actually you can probably do much more than what you're expecting. And let's say you did four years of your five years plan, five year plan in one like you've still done way more than you would have if you'd given yourself that five-year timeline so better to kind of push yourself on that front and then the most interesting thing about this talk and the bit that kind of like scared me a little bit was at the end he put up this um this slide that had every week like a box for every week of your life and when you look at it like that, like it doesn't actually look like that many weeks. And then you take away like however many weeks that equate to how old you are. And you're like, God, there aren't actually that many weeks left in my life. And that really makes you think like, how do I want to live my life? And then he said that the worst forms of procrastination occur when you don't have a deadline. So like, sure, it's not great to procrastinate for that essay that's due. And then you end up doing it all the night before, or you do a lot of it the night before, or it's not worth, like, it's not 
useful to put things off till closer to the deadline like we, we all probably do that and we all know that it's not ideal but what's way worse than that is when there isn't a deadline so you're putting it off potentially indefinitely and this happens a lot when you think I know that I want to change my lifestyle like I know I want to lose weight or I know I want to get fitter I know I want to look after my health more but there is always some reason that you could start that tomorrow instead of today and that's when you procrastinate about these things. And usually, and this was the scary point that kind of like hammered at home to me, it's usually the most important things. So it would be like spending time with your family or spending time on your health or leaving the, the job that you absolutely hate or leaving the relationship that isn't fulfilling and doesn't make either of you happy. Like there is never going to be a right time to do the hard things or to start the hard things. And those are the things that we procrastinate on most. And those are the things that are actually most important. And I was like, ah, that. So if you want to watch that, just put in like procrastination TED talk. I'm sure it will come up. And that that part is like the end part of it that really like hammered it home to me. So if you're thinking of that in relation to the EC method, you still have until Sunday to sign up for the EC method. The sooner the better, because then you can get to grips with all the information and get used to things. Um, and also remember that our whole approach to coaching on the EC method is that you live your life while getting results. So it's not about putting your life on hold and you need far less patience when you're not waiting for anything anymore. And fat loss isn't a race. It will take as long as it takes. And, and this was another thing that I listened to on podcast this week, actually, and it was in relation to marketing, but it's quite applicable when with fat loss as well. And this was on the Diary of a CEO, CEO podcast. I can't remember what episode, but it was a, a marketing episode. But the guest on it said that instead of trying to make the Eurostar quicker, so instead of trying to make the journey quicker, you should make it more enjoyable. And that way people wouldn't mind that it takes longer. And this is exactly our approach to fat loss, right? Like it, you can't really speed up the process. Like it will take as long as it takes. When you speed it up, you tend to get into problems. But what you can do is make it a hell of a lot more enjoyable. And then it doesn't really matter that it's taking a little bit more time. So that's maybe a good way to think about that. And finally, I wanted to say before I get onto these questions, um, grads. I know that it's really easy to just kind of roll from one round to the next without doing the grad reset. And if you've done it before, you might be like, yeah, but I've done that before. But it's different this time. Like it's different every time because every round is different. And you will learn different things from every round. So please make sure that at some point before Monday, you take 20 minutes, get a cup of coffee, get a cup of tea, whatever you want, and just sit down and assess how this round has gone. What have you learned from it? What's been good? What's been bad? What do you need to change for the next round? Or maybe you just give yourself a pat on the back. But whatever it is, make sure that you've like reviewed this round before you move on to the next round. It might be that you're setting new goals. But it might just be that you're learning from some of the things on this round. And if you don't reflect, then you will continue to make the same mistakes again and again and again and again. This is why we get you to journal as well, because then you kind of once you write something down, you're like, oh, it's there in black and white. Like, I have to action this now rather than it just flowing around in your head and you never really like identify what that is writing it down makes you face up to those things like oh okay every day this week I've done this or this is happening every single month this is a pattern this is something I want to change and then we figure out ways to change it but if you're not reflecting then you end up kind of living through the same mistakes again and again and again that is not helpful 
Okay, what have we got on the live? Hi, Lucy. Um, great advice on reflecting before the next round. The journal is out. Good. Also, um, make sure that you're... So there's the journal, which is great day to day. But we have done a full grad reset um, sheet for you or like worksheet for you that will just really help you think about why these things are important to you, what you're doing, what maybe you want to do next round. Like if you need to reset any of your goals, are your actions still in line with your values? Like all of these kind of things. And that's a really good thing to go through. And I wanted to read out a post from this morning because it was so good. Bear with me because one, I need to find it. Two, we all know my reading skills and this is quite a long one. Um, but it's from Donna and she said, before I joined the EC method, I've been doing the 5-2 diet for years. I think I knew it wasn't working for me, but I was scared to stop in case I gained weight. The EC method has taught me so much about managing my nutrition. I'm no longer in the binge restrict cycle. I've lost all the guilt around eating. I get my protein in and I enjoy cooking and prepping food. Don't get me wrong, I still overeat now and again, but I do this mindfully for the most part. I know my deficit and maintenance calories so I can tweak what I'm eating and get back on track when I need to. And I know this is something I can do long-term. So important. Um, this is the area I need to keep an eye on, but I've reached a weight I'm happy at. So I'm going to continue with maintenance as the goal. And on this point, like bear in mind that maintenance is always going to be fluctuating. Like there will certainly be, I don't know, holidays or stressful times when maybe you do put on a little bit of weight, but don't think like it's the mindset of, oh, I've undone all of my hard work. Now I need to go back to dieting again. No, no, no. Like it's just part of life. Like you tweak things a little bit and then you continue on. That That is it. Like maintenance is the rest of your life, Donna. And there will be periods of time where you weigh a little bit more, periods of time where you weigh a little bit less and you'll have to kind of tweak these things. But just make sure it's not like a pendulum swing of like on the wagon, off the wagon, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I've been fairly consistent with the gym, but Emma's gym workouts have been an absolute game changer for me. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I've achieved so many PBs. I can now do 10 chin-ups. I'm sorry, but that is incredible. <laughs> there are not many. And sometimes when I say this, I feel like uh, people will be like, all right, are you just um, bigging up yourself here? Because I can also do 10 chin-ups. But that is insanely hard for a woman. And one of the reasons I can do it is because I don't really do much lower body training because I can't which means I have way more time to spend on upper body training. But anyway, 10 chin-ups is insanely impressive. I can squat 80 kilograms, again, incredible. I can leg press 170 kilograms, hip thrust 120 kilograms and deadlift 85. I feel like a proper badass. <clears throat> and you are, Donna. And now I can continue to progress. So thank you so much for this. My body has changed. I'm happy with how I look. And most importantly, I'm happy with how I'm performing in the gym. I've also learned about how so much of this is about mindset. I journal when I need to, and I try to look for positives every day. I realize how lucky I am, particularly with various shit shows <laughs> going on around the world at the moment. And I really try not to take that for granted. I get to look after my health, and that really is a privilege. That mindset, Jeff's kiss, like, incredible. And then she goes on to say, over the months of being on the EC method, some of the favorite things I have learned have been one, imperfect action and progress, not perfection. I'm a typical perfectionist slash type A personality 
So this has really helped me focus on doing my best in any given situation without having to be quote unquote perfect all the time. Excellently put. Two, parenting myself. Owning your action, owning a action. Okay, let's not say owning your actions and delayed gratification. Don't complain about the results you didn't get from the work you didn't do, but also don't go too easy on yourself. It's a fine balance. Yeah, it is a fine balance. And I think this is why parenting yourself is the best analogy for it. Assuming that you had incredible parents, I guess, or like parenting yourself in a way that you would think would be best, right? Because you're, you're not, you would call your child out if you thought they were doing something that wasn't beneficial, right? You wouldn't just let them away with poor behavior. And it's same with yourself. Like you would love them and care for them, but you'd also be firm with them as a good parent, because you'd be like, I don't want you to do these things that aren't going to help you or that are going to cause problems further on, or that I don't think is the best for you. And that's why parenting yourself is such a good analogy for that or such a good like way of thinking about it. Number three, the sailing slash rowing analogy. Sometimes I might want to row when I have a particular goal, but other times I'm happy sailing along and enjoying life whilst hitting my non-negotiables. Love that one. It's a Chloe special. There are so many other things I've loved and laughed at over the last 10 months. Emma and Chloe, you are amazing coaches and I honestly can't thank you enough. You're so down to earth and you've really helped me in so many ways. I'll be eternally grateful for that. Good luck with the next chapter. I'll be tuning into the podcast so, so, so I will hear all about baby Haskell when she arrives. <laughs> My plan now is to maintain where I am um, and how I'm feeling whilst continuing to progress in the gym. I feel like I'm ready to go alone, but I may be back in the future, even just for the banner. It's absolutely priceless and the FOMO is real. I wish all of you going on to the next round the best of luck in reaching your goals and you're in the best hands here as well as those leaving at the end of this round it's been amazing to get you to know you all goodbye from me for now big love and then an awesome photo of you with incredible biceps um yes yeah, so i thought that was a really nice uh <laughs> i guess insight to anyone who's not on the ec method of what you will get from the ec method also that everyone is welcome to stay as long as they want and also leave and come back. Like we have so many people that leave for a period of time and then come back for, again. And also, you are always welcome here. Okay, um, Lucy, I will def definitely get round. Sorry, I will def get on and do the grad reset. It's been a while since I've looked at it. Yes, Lucy, holding you accountable. Claire, I have a lot of time on my hands this week. Grad reset is now on the cards for today. Really need to get into journaling. Yes and yes. And you've just said you've got a lot of time, so there's no excuses. Liz, I'm definitely guilty of rolling from one round to the next. I did so well the first couple of rounds, but now I am not, and I'm not pushing myself enough. I hope that doing the grad reset cements in my mind that this is important to me and I need to keep pushing towards my goals. Yes, and this is exactly why we put it in. Because if you've been doing the same thing for a period of time, it's actually quite easy to fall into the same patterns and then, yeah, and then everything just becomes like a little bit the norm. So this is why the reset is really important. And like actually doing that every eight weeks and reassessing your goals and be like, where am I? Where do I want to be? What do I need to change? What, what's been going well? What's not been going well? So, so important to do. And you can use it to do it like for larger areas of your life. Like I try to do that 
about every eight weeks as well uh, not just from like health fitness goals but also just generally like hey am I you know this is what I said I wanted to do am I actually closer than when than eight weeks ago and like why not and why haven't I taken a step forward in that direction and like what are the barriers here for me why am I procrastinating basically to the point but that and coming back to what I was talking about at the start about procrastination and the worst things that we procrastinate are the things we don't have deadlines for like this is kind of a deadline for you or it's like a wake-up call because that's what deadlines are they're a wake-up call that needs to be done by now if you're checking in with yourself on the things that you said you would do every eight weeks or so and you're no further forward with them like that's going to give you a wake-up call like you don't have that many weeks in your life like go and look at that chart of how many weeks there are in your life and be like if every eight weeks I'm looking at this and I'm resetting and I'm seeing that I actually I'm no further forward that is a problem and you can change that but most people kind of like blindly wander through life and don't check in with themselves enough um, okay um Nikki hi I've lost 10 pounds so far incredible financially I have to bow out for the next round but I'll be back after that just wondering if I still have access to the lives and Facebook posts from the EC method June or do they disappear from Monday the Facebook group closes on Monday so you won't have access to those but all of the lives are on the podcast um and you are obviously always welcome here hi where can you find the grads reset so it is on the member site but it is also emailed to you as soon as you sign up as a grad. So there's an email that's sent to you with the link to the new Facebook group and also a link to do your <clears throat> grad reset. Okay. Um, question post. Oh, I'm in the wrong group. And there's, there's no one here to make chat while I... Search the group for the question phase. <laughs> okay, I found it. Nobody panic. Right, this is a really good question. Um, okay, I'll quickly answer this one. Lucy, I messaged on the live last week. I'm now six days into being at home post horrid stomach bug. Oh yes, I remember. You didn't shit yourself on the plane. We were all very impressed with that. I'm now having three small meals a day, but I'm not really hungry to eat more food. I've been eating things like porridge with protein powder and a banana, scrambled egg slash boiled egg on toast, chicken, soup and sandwich, and then crisps. I'm still not getting tummy pains. Sorry, I am still getting tummy pains at times post food, but not being ill anymore. My toilet is getting a bit more normal each time. So I know my tummy is starting to recover. Do I need to eat more even though I'm not hungry? What other foods could I eat? I'm nervous to eat as I don't want to be ill again. Uh, the stomach bug was so horrific that I'm worried too. Honestly, I think just time. Like I wouldn't force this stuff. Like I, I've been in similar situations and like I wouldn't, I wouldn't force it. Just like it sounds like what you're doing is fine. And I imagine that within a week you'll be feeling significantly better if in a week like if in a couple more days like if by midweek next week you're still not feeling good then do let me know because we obviously don't want you to be losing a load of weight and not feeling yourself properly but usually it just takes a little bit of time to get to your stomach to get back um oh thanks Helena she says I don't worry about pausing Emma we can cope with a bit of silence 
um sam can you give those of us taking a break any tips on going alone i'm skipping this round as i need to focus on me and stop worrying about what everyone else in the group is doing weirdly sorry weirdly it has helped it has become a bit negative for my mental health my issue is nothing to do with the awesome people in it i would start questioning that as well like chloe and i have spoken about this quite a lot um, in regards to whether people see comparison as a negative or as a positive and if you can view other people and and their success as like wow that's possible for me or that's motivating for me then comparison is one of the best things you can do and realistically you can't avoid comparison like a lot of people like stop comparing yourself to others like it's unavoidable anything is only anything in comparison like you're only paid a lot in comparison to other people you're only well educated in comparison to other people you're only lean or overweight in comparison to other people like the definition of overweight is like within normal ranges right so there is there will always be comparison so that is something that I would work on in regards to going it alone like you know what to do so basically what you you now have the knowledge of what to do what you get from coaching is helping to apply that knowledge and like the support to apply that knowledge because for most people just knowing isn't the same as doing like just knowing how to do something doesn't actually translate and often implementing that and doing those things that's the magic of coaching that's why coaching comes in but at the moment like going forward like you have that knowledge so if you can implement that and you've been implementing it like I would just continue doing what you're doing I would make sure that you're journaling because that's going to give you self-accountability when you don't have coaching accountability but yeah that that would be my advice for anyone going forward like make sure that you are still checking in with yourself regularly make sure that you are still holding yourself accountable even if you're not getting coaching from the group and then I have an awesome question from Samantha um she says okay Emma giving you a science question as you requested questions you can research as you know, I live at altitude in Denver. Last time I flew back, I weighed myself in England the morning of the flight and two days after I landed. I was nearly two kilograms lighter. Knowing this was quite was was quite a question. Sorry, knowing this was quite a crazy stat given water retention, etc. I started googling to see if you weigh less at altitude because crazy things can happen up there, like water boils at lower temperature. Turns out it's super minimal, but it said that there were studies that showed it was easier to lose weight at altitude. So my question is, am I getting an extra helping hand by living up high? So I've not actually looked, I should have looked up how much altitude Denver is at because there is some research around this, but obviously it's all relative, right? And I don't actually think Denver is that high, but I could be absolutely wrong. So don't hold me accountable to that, right? But, but on this, I'm talking about high altitude, like some of this research was done in Colorado. I think that's higher than Denver, but also my knowledge of altitudes in America is not is not one of my strong points. But there is some research that shows that people, so there's some observational research that shows that people who live at altitude are less likely to be overweight than people who live at sea level. And there could be numerous reasons for that. Like it, it, you could argue that it might be as simple as, yeah, because you're walking up hills all the time or like, yeah, because you're more likely to be outdoorsy or yeah, because there's maybe there's less likely to be fast food at every corner of the street because you live in a more like um, 
suburban area or like less urban area or less town-like area. But this research did say that it controlled for other factors like exercise level, level socioeconomic status and family history. So it try, it, it's basically suggesting that independently of anything else, there is an advantage to living at altitude and not being obese. That was a really bad way of saying that, but I think you get the point of that. And some of the reasons for this, there is also some, I found, I found two studies that were, so you've got your observational data, which is that, and then I found two control studies, but they were actually like ridiculously poorly done with no control group. So it didn't really tell us like a hell of a lot. Basically they took, um, they took a group of obese men and then they put them at altitude for a couple of weeks. And then they put them back at, at sea level and they lost weight at altitude. And they actually managed to maintain it at sea level. But they, the whole point was like, we didn't tell them to change their diet or anything, but you have actually taken someone out of their normal living environment and put them in a completely different environment and put them back. So it's hard to tell that if it was the altitude or like literally anything else. And then there wasn't a control group of people that like just stayed at sea level but were also I don't know like I would for a control group for that I would probably move those people as well just not to altitude so that you're still getting this completely different life for a period of time and then move them back because even that like sometimes just change in itself can impact weight and anyway it was something like I think the weight change was either three pounds or three kilograms which isn't anything to like ignore but in obese men that's probably a quite a small amount of weight to lose compared to the total amount of weight that they would be um so I wasn't like massively convinced by the by the studies but maybe there will be more at some point but what was quite interesting is the hypothesis for why this might be so why it might be easier to lose weight at altitude was that there is a slight increase in metabolism. And that's because because of the lower oxygen concentration in the air, you're working harder doing everything. And especially when you're exercising, you will be more likely to create this oxygen debt. So people call it EPOC, excess post-oxygen consumption. And this is the whole premise behind why a lot of people support high intensity interval training, because they're like, oh, if you do HIIT training, then you'll burn more calories for the rest of the day after. And it all comes from this notion that you're creating an oxygen debt and then you have to repay that debt. So by that, I mean, you're working anaerobically without oxygen. And then after the exercise, you have to metabolize the byproducts of anaerobic metabolism that, that, are, that occur when you exercise without oxygen. But this is actually quite, like, it's quite small, right? And this is the problem with, listening to people on the internet and never being like like if you ever hear anyone talk about that be like okay but what's the magnitude of effect here like if you're telling me that I burn more calories for the rest of the day how many more calories that's the important question to ask in so many contexts like another one that gets brought up quite a lot is muscle burns more calories than fat tissue and yes it does but the important question there that for some reason nobody asks is how much more calories does it burn and it's painfully little like um I think you burn on average an extra 10 to 15 calories per kilogram of muscle mass and it's hard to build a kilogram of muscle mass 
So if you had managed to build like five kilograms of muscle mass, which is a lot, you'd be burning like an extra 75 odd calories a day. When you put that in the context of food, you're like, great, I can eat like three quarters of a pink lady apple. Like that would be really satiating. Like it's not a huge difference. So always asking for like the magnitude of effect here is important. But back to my point, interestingly, at altitude, the magnitude of effect is probably higher because you create this oxygen debt probably quite easily. And this, again, would depend on the level of altitude that you're at and is why a lot of professional athletes, especially endurance athletes, will train at high altitude, sorry, live at high altitude and then train at low altitude or compete at least at low altitude because they're putting their body under like more pressure to be able to work under a lower oxygen environment which is essentially what happens when you exercise because you're trying to get your muscles to um, work and, and to break to create energy in the most efficient way your muscles need oxygen so actually a limiting factor of endurance performance is like how quickly you can get oxygen to your working muscles and so if you're living at altitude you become more adapted to be able to do that so things like your red blood cell count can go up and you just become a little bit more efficient at that process. So that's why being altitude might be beneficial, both in terms of your performance at sea level and also burning some extra calories. I don't know exactly how many more, and I think it would depend on a bit, essentially the amount of oxygen debt that you're creating. And then I also wonder, would you be more efficient then at sea level which means that you'd actually burn less calories because you're fitter when you exercise at sea level. Maybe, like, yeah, you probably would. Anyway, the second part, which is quite interesting, is reduced hunger. So a lot of people experience reduced hunger when at altitude, whether that's from like altitude sickness or just what seems to be what's quite interesting is in in lab based studies so this isn't done in humans this was done on cells in the lab well human cells in the lab were shown to produce less leptin when there was less oxygen available which might me sorry did i say less leptin more leptin yes more leptin which is a hunger hormone so Leptin is a hormone that is released primarily by fat cells and it signals to the brain how much energy is available. So when you're very low body fat, there won't be much leptin going around, which means that your brain will be like, we need to increase hunger. And maybe we also need to reduce activity levels as well to maintain as much energy as possible. And then what can happen in extreme examples or extreme situations is you also stop menstruating because that is again a highly energy costly uh process so your brain is like oh we want to save as much energy as possible like what are things that aren't essential for life that we can shut down and how can we get in more energy so very low leptin levels will mean that you um your body starts acting in a way that would conserve as much energy as possible so increasing leptin levels would reduce your hunger so if that happened at altitude that could make it easier to stick to your diet in theory um which is also quite interesting i thought so excellent question 
Um, Denver is in Colorado. Well done, me. Wow. That's really impressive by me. I mean, realistically, I definitely did not know that. It's not a moment for me that I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. Okay. Well, well, there we go. Maybe that that research is more applicable. <laughs> okay. Um, hi, do you consider a pattern of not tracking at the weekend, then restricting through the week to be yo-yo dieting, or is it just a way to control weight and still enjoy yourself? Hmm. This is a really good question because that completely depends on you. Like the same actions with a different mindset behind them can either be like disordered eating or they can be just the way I choose to live my life that actually works for me and I don't feel restricted by it at all. Like, I would ask you, like, do you feel restricted in the way that you're eating or does it actually work really well for you? Do you feel like you're massively overeating on the uh, on the weekend and then that you have to over restrict during the week? And are you getting the results that you want? And are you getting the life balance that you want? Because if you are like, who cares what someone on Instagram thinks that if that's disordered eating or not? Like if you can genuinely be honest with yourself and be like, actually, no, this just works for me. And I choose to do it this way because I want to do it this way. Fine. If uh, like red flags for me on top of that would be one like sometimes it's hard to accept that in yourself that okay actually maybe this is a bit disordered and two is it like when you say yo-yo dieting if if you're like oh no I track during the week and I eat about 16 odd 1600 odd calories um a day and then on the weekend like I don't track but I'm probably still within like 2000 calories each day that's fine like if if your mindset is is happy with that that's totally fine but if you're like oh I I track 800 calories during the week and then on the weekend like I don't track and I just eat like everything inside Mm, like that one doesn't sit so well with me so that would be something I would question but it's kind of a question for yourself and this is true for so many behaviors like one of my clients runs 10k every morning now to some people that would be like really restrictive and like you're forcing yourself to do it and it's like is that actually discipline or is that like compulsion and blah blah blah. and she's like oh no like and I've spoken to her about it and she's like, no, I genuinely enjoy doing it. Like I listen to a podcast and I'm like, what about the days where you can't do it? And she's like, yeah, that that's fine. Like I do it most days because I want to do it. If there's a period of time I can't do it, I'm not going to like, it doesn't massively stress me out. I'm not like scared about the fact that I'm going to miss like one, one of my runs or something. So I, I guess that's another way to think about it as well. If there was a week where, you know, you couldn't track one of the days in the, in the week, because let's say you hadn't an event that you want to go to on Wednesday and it didn't fit within your calories and actually you'd have to swap that day for a Sunday or something like would that massively freak you out because if it is or if it would like that would kind of indicate to me you don't have that much freedom and flexibility in your life and actually maybe you would enjoy life and dieting a hell of a lot more if we took a slightly different approach but this is a kind of a similar um topic to the is it okay to eat the same meals every day thing like if that just works for you and you enjoy it and you're still getting in like enough variety yeah why not like it's absolutely fine if I then said oh tomorrow like let's go for brunch and you were like oh no I can't like I only eat x for breakfast and I only eat x for lunch and like I don't do brunch then I'd be like well like would would you want to be able to have that freedom because you absolutely can and still get results and maybe that would be something to question. But if you're like, yeah, for the vast majority of the time, 
this is what works for me but I'm also happy to be flexible around that when I choose to be and when I want to be that's like that that I don't think is disordered eating so I don't think it's it's so much behaviors that are disordered it's like how you're thinking about those behaviors and how you would feel if you couldn't do those behaviors like hopefully that makes a bit of sense um so we've come to the end of this round I'm very excited about the next round and if anyone is listening on the podcast they haven't signed up yet you still have until Sunday to sign up if you want to talk to me about signing up or about coaching in general then there is a link to whatsapp me directly in the show notes and I hope to see you all at the welcome live on Sunday